0: but the things of God last forever. If it's salvation of a, of a son or a daughter, if it's a medical issue, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, for our next week, as we prepare for our mission trip to Mexico, Lord, each step along the way, Expand our heart, Lord. Let us not have little cups. It's okay to start with a little cup, but Lord, somehow the Word of God says that we're to expand the capacity of your love and of your hope so we can share it with others. Lord, you expand that we would learn how to step out in faith. Lord, you expand the vision and the call for our own individual lives, maybe into our neighborhoods and our workplaces, Lord. As a church, that you would give us your vision, Lord, to serve our community, to love one another well, to bring hope to Paso Robles, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're kind of asking the question, what does it look like to be a praying church? And so uh, that's that's what we're... We're, we're going to just say, Lord, what does it look like to be a praying church? And it doesn't look like just one thing. It looks like a lot of things. Where uh, prayer has always been important here. And, it, and we want to just keep growing that. There's a lot of good things at Christian Life Center. And we just want to keep growing that in, in the things of the Lord. Amen? Say, oh, Pastor Guy, you're the new guy in the block. Well, I, I guess I am. Uh, But we've been here a long time, and we love this church. And God has a special call upon you, because the church is not a building. It's each one of you as we uh, circle together, as we uh, invite God to be at the very center of that circle, as we seek God's heart together. Uh, Amen? It's time to greet one another. You ready to do that? We've prayed. We've worshiped. And so we're going to kind of move left and right and back and front. And uh, if you don't know somebody, then introduce yourself. Uh, We have some new people here today, so we want them to feel welcome, right? And if you've been here a couple times, then you can welcome a new person, and you're the old one. So if you've been here for two or three weeks and somebody's brand new, you're the one who actually is no longer a guest. (laughs) Amen. chairman. you enjoyed your visit. We're going to uh, have all the kids come forward, and we're going to release the kids. So if you want to make your way forward, we're going to pray with you, and then we're going to let you go out and back and let the teachers uh, kind of collect you, make sure you're in the right classroom. So my first my first fun one here, huh? What's your name?
1: Roxy.
0: Roxy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, knew, I knew your name. I just wanted to hear it. All right, kids. They're coming. Kind of birth through middle school, we have uh, classes for you. And if you're visiting, parents are welcome to go back and uh, kind of meet the teachers and see what classroom you're in. Here comes Will with dad. Dad, you can just come up too because you're a big kid. Here comes Ken with his little granddaughter. Amen. <laughs> hey, Sean's up 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 visiting but I can pray over that music that'd be fine Lord be with our kids right now in Jesus name and be with our classes and our teachers that they would just teach the word of God this morning Uh, be with families and grandmas and grandpas and Lord we thank you that so many kids are here today and everybody said Amen. amen so make your way back and again uh we are really glad that all you kids are here you brought your parents that's even better So we, as a church, one of the things that God has done is he's put missions in our heart. And missions is a lot like prayer. It shows up in a lot of different ways. Uh, we have our local missions. We have loaves and fishes. We have Tree of Life. We have FCA at the high school. We have Shine Clubs. We have home groups and neighborhoods your workplace is a mission field. Missions is like everywhere you look. Jesus was a missionary because he left heaven and came to earth. He, was a, he, was, he looked down and said, they need a missionary. And, they, and God the Father sent God the Son. That's how bad it was. And so missions is going to show up uh, next Sunday. Right now there's 54 of us going down to Mexico together. And that's our church. That's God Squad, and some of them were the, those who danced on the overflow night. Uh, I think there's 11 families going, meaning either mom and dad and kids or, or sisters or brothers. And that's pretty amazing to have. Because once, once you kind of catch missions, it's, you're always looking for an opportunity. Because it's not just limited. Uh, so Mackenzie is going to share kind of what, what and where God has called her. She is leaving on Saturday, and I'm going to let her tell you why she's going, how God has called her, and kind of some of the things that she's going to be doing. So this is Pam's granddaughter, amen, amen. right here. So this is a big Sunday, and this is her sister Carly and, uh, and her little brother Michael, who just went to Superchurch.
2: Hi, everyone. Um, Like Pastor Guy said, my name's Mackenzie. Yeah, Pam's my grandma. Um, She started taking me to this church when I was really, really little. Um, And I just got back from doing this thing called YWAM. Um, YWAM is a missions organization. It's non-denominational. And I just did something called the DTS, some discipleship training school. Um, So for three months, I was in Kona, Hawaii. And um, for those three months, we had different speakers coming each week um, to talk on a variety of topics. And then they got us ready to go on outreach to South Africa for three months. Um, And so I put together a slideshow of my time on outreach. Um, During this time, I really just heard the Lord's call to return back to South Africa. Um, A lot of the faces that you'll see in the slideshow are... um, the kids that really impacted me. And God speaks in a lot of different ways. And um, to me, it was really through a lot of the people that you'll see in these videos. Um, Throughout my life, I heard I would always ask God, God, just show me your face. Just reveal more of you to me. And um, it was while I was in South Africa, through a lot of these faces, um, that he just showed me. This is me. This is who I am. If you want to know me, know my people. This is me. Um, And so some of the pictures you'll see are a lot of the ministries that I was involved with when I was there. Um, And yeah, they all mean so much to me. So do we have the slideshow? Hey, excuse me. Sorry. Um. So I won't get too deep into all the ministries that um, we did while we were there, um, but one of them that really impacted me, it changed the way I see God, and um, really heard the call to go to South Africa, was um, a ministry called Lavender Hill, and um, it was a community that's been um, unfortunately heavily impacted by gang violence. Um. Most of the kids there um, are involved in gangs by the time they're nine years old, um, gang affiliated activities. And so there's a lot of um, violence and hurt there. And I think before I did DTS, um, before I went to South Africa, I had, I always questioned God in those situations. So I was like, God, where are you in this? How is this happening? If you are good, where are you in these times? And, um, while I was there, the Holy Spirit really revealed to me through Matthew, I think it was 25, 35. I might be off. Um, but that passage that it says, For when I was hungry, you gave me food. For When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And in that time, it was really that God showed me, um, I am these kids, I am these moms, I am these dads. In a world that is suffering, it's not where am I, it's where are you? I have called you to be my hands and feet. Where are you? And and in those situations that seem so hopeless, it really is so hopeful because of the gospel. And in a situation where I used to be like, God, how are you good? It turned into, God, you are so good. I am so happy that you died for these children and that you rose to give them hope and to be with them forever. Like, I just, it totally changed my perspective of the Lord during that time. Um, the whole gospel message is a gospel of hope. Christ came to earth and did the one thing that we as humans think is impossible. He rose from the dead. So that in situations when you look at Lavender Hill and you say, for gang violence to end, that's impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. And in situations that it feels so hopeless, it is so hopeful, because God is so good, and he went through the pain to die for these children, and he just gave me so much hope because it was really hard leaving that ministry sometimes, going home to my comfortable bed and hanging out with the kids on my team after and eating our full home-cooked meals. And I used to just cry and cry and cry and be like, God, where is the justice for these children? And he just reminded me of the verse that says, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied." And he just reminded me in that time that I love them so much, Mackenzie. I love them more than you could ever imagine. And the the hurt you're feeling is you wanting justice, and I promise you that there is justice for them. (sighs) Um, So that's when I heard the Lord speak to me and saying, "I want you to be my hands and feet in this nation." Breathe the hope that is already there. God is already there. Jesus is already there with them. But remind them who they are in Christ. Remind those moms who they are. Oh, so, in about a week, I am moving to South Africa to do long-term missions work there. Um, I'm going to be staffing what I just did so the DTS I'm going to be on staff with them now so we're going to be getting a new group of students coming into South Africa um, in late June and they're going to go through the whole process and we're going to be with them to mentor them and help them through and then we're going to be taking them on outreach to another country for three months I don't know where that will be yet um, but I'll be sending out updates to keep everyone updated on what it'll look like. Um, But I am so excited for more kids, more students, to know this amazing, great God. And just to be able to go back and see those faces again, and just, I'm so excited. Um, If you want to partner with me in going to South Africa... um, through prayer or financially, it would be a huge blessing. And I am so excited to be able to partner with a church. That is so amazing. This morning, the prayer time, it was so beautiful. And to be able to partner with you guys while I'm gone is such a blessing to me and it is to them that you guys can actually, in a way, come with me and sow those seeds in South Africa through prayer and through financial support. And that I can know what's going on here. You guys have had so many changes within the past month. And so many more to come. And I'm looking forward to hearing back from you guys and partnering with you as a church. And it's just been such a blessing. So um, I'll be in the back after the service if you want to know more info or um, I have support letters and a sign-up sheet so we can talk more.
0: McKinsey's 18. If you're wondering, like how can an 18-year-old kind of have that much God in her heart? The more time you spend with God, the more room you have. And uh, I prayed with one of the young ladies here just a few minutes ago, and as you lay down the things of the world, uh, it gives you more room in your heart for God. And we don't, we don't just let go of the old man. It says that we become a new man in Christ Jesus. So it's a taking off of the old, and it's not just staying away from the old, it's actually putting on the the new. It's laying down the old and putting on the new. And as you can tell, Mackenzie has put on the new. This is what God has called her. God has a call on each one of you in a different way. It could be a mom. It could be... Wherever you were, it, it doesn't just have to be a spiritual move to South Africa. It can be the same excitement that she has in her heart can be in my heart and in your heart. And this is just her story because when God's story of hope uh, is given, that's the reason that we're here as, a, as God created us to give hope to others. And uh, I asked her, she's like 70% uh, funded, and so there's still some need there. Uh, she's going to meet with the church board on Tuesday night. And as a as a church congregation, we're not going to be able to do the 30%. We wish we could, but we'll do something as a church, which is really your giving. It's just not just, uh, it's the church giving. And so what we're going to do uh, right now is we're going to pray over McKinsey. We're going to have her kind of in the middle. And we're going to, the, there's about sending your people out into the world, Uh you're going to be able to go to your neighborhood or go into your home in, in, a, in a few minutes. And that's where God is sending you. But uh, it's really exciting because Maddie, one of our young people from CLC, she's at a rodeo. She's riding today. Otherwise, she'll be here. She's going to end up at the same DTS that McKinsey's going to be staffing. How cool is that? And Sean, as you know, is leaving this summer, and so is Tatum. So there's four from our church that have this call of saying, Lord, use me. Uh, fill me. So uh, we're going to, but, but you're leaving on Saturday. Yeah. So this is like pretty, like perfect timing that we can just pray over you. And so she's just not going to South Africa. She's being what? Sent. She, God calls her and God's people then help send her. And then we as a church with, in a humble way, we, we do our part and uh, God's going to do some cra- crazy good things. So let's move towards the middle. And uh, we're gonna just just surround you. So, Grandma, come on, come on first, and and sister, and others can just come uh, lay hands on Mackenzie, and we're gonna send her.
3: Father, we just humbly come before you, but with boldness as well, to send uh, Mackenzie out as you have ask each of us to go out, but we want to be part of that sending function and part of that support and that lifting her up in prayer and remembering, Lord, what you are placing in her heart so that all of this, Lord, is for your glory in the nations. All the tribes and tongues will be represented before your throne, and we praise your name that you use each one of us in that effort, and Lord, that we can partner with Mackenzie as she is part of an organization that equips young people like herself and others from our church to go even further out into the places where your name is not known and never been heard, that Lord, you placed this burden on her, and we want to share it with her. And with you, we yoke up with you, Lord, in this endeavor. Thank you,
0: Lord. Thank you, Lord. So we send Mackenzie in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, use her. Fill her. Touch her. Keep her safe, Lord, in a kind of a violent, crazy part of the world bring uh, other young people into her life from all over the many countries to this discipleship training school, Lord, uh, as they lead teams into uh, different parts of this world, Lord, that they would be your hands, that they would be your feet, that you would serve them, that you would pray with them, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can give some hugs away. She'll remember the the, the hands of blessings. Amen. (laughs) The Bible does talk about laying on on the hands. Uh, If you've never had people lay hands and pray, when that time comes, don't be afraid of it. It's something that's You feel the the, the weight of the physical hands. But later on, when you're at kind of a crossroads, or maybe you're under that attack, because when you step out for God, there's also an attack from the enemy who doesn't want you to go. Uh, Maybe even in the blessings, i tell you how many times you feel those hands of God's people upon you. When you're ready to kind of chuck in and throw in the towel and quit. You'll know, sense the hands of, of blessings and the and the prayers and those prayers that were prayed over you, or the Holy Spirit just brings them back to a kind of remembrance. A church body that is prayed over and and sending people out uh, like we did this morning, uh, and I'm, I'm so glad that God's big enough to minister to you right now where you're at and Mackenzie where she's at and. uh, how long a flight is it to South Africa? 30 hours. <laughs> yeah, thirty hours. <laughs> Mackenzie shared our youth group about two weeks ago, and and I don't know where. I mean, every I mean, people have known her, but she's grown up and she's come and gone a few times. But I just kind of eighteen years old with a heart after God. It's just like thank you, Lord, because there's a lot of eighteen year olds in this town that are in trouble. There's a lot of 18-year-old kids who are are, are about as close as McKinsey is. They're about as far away from the Lord. And God loves both of them. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to have the uh, ushers come forward. As the ushers are coming forward, we have our Resurrection Sunday breakfast. And a lot of you signed up already. So this this happens at 9.30 on Resurrection Sunday morning. And so... Sign up, and there's you can bring pastries or muffins or cake or all those coffee cake, not cake, coffee cake, and then just in decorating uh, there's. Tuesday, April 11th from 4 to 7, if you can come an hour or two, there's a team here going to be decorating the church. And then on Thursday, uh, on the 13th from 2 to 5, you can come on down and help. And then they need some greeters and kind of receive the food and there's kind of cleanup afterwards. And so one board has to do with just kind of coming and bringing a friend and bring your family member. The other one is like, how can I help before this event takes place? So we're going to pass both clipboards around. And, uh, let you kind of pass those around. So there's two boards kind of per side. And like the first week we've done this, there's been a lot of good sign-ups, and we just added uh, uh, some workers that kind of helped put this together. Amen. So these men are going to receive uh, your offering. I always kind of, because they don't have guns or knives, they're not going to take your offering. Uh, <laughs> they're not they're, they're, they're strong men but they're, they're not going to intimidate you into being a giver uh, the Lord says he, that he loves a cheerful giver and uh, as a church we're in transition you know there's, there's a kind of a change and there's going to be people coming in there's going to be people you know leaving and so just I would say be faithful and uh, God is going to be our provider as a church but just be faithful and give as unto the Lord so, Lord, we thank you for this offering time. Lord, uh, help us be faithful. Help each one to do their part. Lord, we, we want to be givers, cheerful givers. So we give now in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Does anybody know what day we're on in our, in our reading? We're on day 19, so I have a few of you text me and say, what day are we on? Because it's chapters, but not days. Uh, Last night, it was, yesterday was keep on circling, just like that area of persistence in prayer. And so each week, this is week three, week three. So yeah, it's been like, it's been awesome. Those who've been coming Wednesday night, it's been, it's been beautiful together. So Judy's going to come and share a little bit out of our 40-day journey. And again, just as Mackenzie has spoken in your life, uh, we're going to get into the Word of God, but what's happening this morning through prayer and through kind of sensing that call and the call to prayer is just what God is doing in CLC
3: right now. I forgot about the mic, so I will stand over here. <laughs> um. This is kind of, and Mackenzie kind of set up a whole foundation for Jesus is the point. Jesus is the one who came and died and was resurrected for us. So this is the whole undergirding of it. Uh, And this experience of coming together, especially on Wednesday nights with the body, uh, is a cumulative thing. And as you uh, do the readings, you see truth upon truth, truth from the Word, because that's where we want to go, right? Even when we're looking at books, uh, we want to make sure is that lining up with the Word? And What is the Word saying in my life about it? So... um, through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we have access to the mind of Christ, and that's where He comes and ministers to us through His Word. Uh, so we want to filter everything through Scripture. Speaking of Luke 18, verse 1. Um, if you have a Bible and can turn there, I don't know if we got the uh, scriptures on the screen or not, but uh, I'm reading from New King James, inspired by Corey. Uh, (laughs) This is talking about Jesus. He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And then he goes on and gives the parable of the widow who wanted justice and kept going to the judge. This judge was not even a righteous man, but he eventually, by her never stopping, never losing heart said, okay, I will give her the justice. Mackenzie's talking about God's justice. I will give it to her. So that has really spoken to me not to give up, that the prayers that we're praying are not lost somewhere. God is, stands outside of time, so actually each prayer that we pray or has ever been prayed or will be prayed, he's got them right now in his hands, and he's working on them now. And is the answer is there now, whether it's, uh, as we've heard many times, yes, no or not yet. We want to not ever lose heart, not ever give up, especially if it's something that God has laid on our heart. He will bring it to pass in his time, which is immediate for him. But you know the scripture, a day is as 1,000 years Uh, to us. It feels like a long, long time. But uh, I've seen it in my own family. My granddad prayed for my uh, oldest uncle and uh, did not live to see him, but my mom saw him come to Jesus. So mom saw her prayers come to pass in my uncle's life. He was in his 80s when he accepted Jesus. So we never want to lose heart. Um, Then the next one just more recently was brought out, is Matthew 17, uh, verse 20. Again, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, or in some places it'll say little belief, uh, little faith, uh, assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, pretty tiny, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible because of his power and authority that he's handed to us as his ambassadors. He's given the signet ring. I go to church up in Oak Shore, so pastor up there was talking about uh, the signet ring, the authority of uh, the sovereign. And he's passed that to us so that we have that authority. And in my life, I'm going to get personal. My mountain that I need to say move is my, like, um, self-protection pride probably comes down to it. And that's a terrible, terrible thing. That's what started this whole deal of tumbling from creation. Uh, In my neighborhood, in Oak Shores, um, there are many people around me that I know no don't know Jesus, and I speak to them occasionally, but we're not close. Uh, Some of them don't even live there full time, but uh, the Lord has laid it on my heart through reading about what is something that God is speaking to you, and it's not as in my eyes, not as mighty as this. But when God speaks something to you, even though it looks very small, don't despise the, begin, the small beginnings of things, uh, to reach out to those neighbors. Well, then I come into, how embarrassing is that? I've lived up there for 26 years, and some of those folks have been there not that long, but coming on a lot of years. Uh, and even though we've spoken, I've not tried to get real friendships going. So the Lord kind of, I believe it came from him, planted in me uh, to do, to bake things. I have been on a 40-day uh, kind of modified fast, so I'm not eating sweets and stuff, but <laughs> I'm going all these pie recipes and <laughs> putting them into my online paprika program. Ooh, that looks good, <laughs> but I can't do it yet. But, and I can't, I shouldn't eat all that anyway, but I could bake it. And take it and just say, uh, I'm retired now. Yay, I have time. like to say hi, and I've got time to bake, and I, I shouldn't and can't eat all this, and I want to share this with you. And be a friend before I start. You don't just walk up and start preaching. <laughs> so let the Lord develop the friendships because I've always held Janet and Rick up as real mentors I don't get to come down to their home group, but I know what an impact it has in their small community. And uh, the Lord wants each of us to be taking Jesus to the ones we're around. That's why he's got us there. Why am I living up there? You know, I'll So um, that's my, and I'm, I'm kind of outing myself <laughs> to all of you, that that's what I wanted my steps going to go and do it, and see what God does.
0: Last week, our, uh, kind of the word was confession, and uh, we're going to uh, kind of go from there a bit. Uh how important confession is, uh, repentance, uh, setting yourself apart for God's purpose. Uh, not work so much, but purpose. Uh, you set apart, uh, clean, cleansed. Uh, David used the word wash away. He used the word in Psalms 51, cleanse me uh, blot out my transgressions. And then he jumps over in Psalms 51 to, to, to 7. It says, cleanse me and wash me and, and hide your face from my sins. And, and God will do that. Probably the New Testament verse that is uh, just profoundly important for all of you and me is 1 John 1, 9. It says, If we confess our sins, then He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us. Will forgive our sins. Will purify us. And the word from all unrighteousness. God will forgive. God will remove. God will purify. Lord, we uh, come as sinners. The Bible says there's not one righteous, not even one. So Lord, this room was 10,000 people. There would not be one that wouldn't need you. That wouldn't need to go through Psalms 51 and cry for mercy and compassion and unfailing love. Lord, we're all in the same boat. And that's why we need you, God. That's why we can't do it ourselves. So, Lord, as we hunger and thirst for you, for righteousness, for justice, it says that you will fill us, you will wash away. You will cleanse us. You will blot out as far as the east is from the west. So far as our sins removed. Lord, teach us how to walk in that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God wants to not only forgive us, but he wants to restore us. And I love this part. I think as a younger Christian, I just wanted to be forgiven and i'd walk around forgiven for about 5 minutes. And then i would sin, and then i would want to be forgiven. And then i would fall. And then all of a sudden i realized, you know, it's not just about not sinning, it's about having purpose and having meaning and having being restored. How many people have a restored vehicle somewhere in your or tra- tractor or something in your your barn or in your Okay. okay there's a number. I there's more than there's probably 10 or 15 people that have something restored. I'm I'm something that's been restored, okay? You're something that's been restored. You're forgiven, you're washed, you're cleansed, you're sanctified, and then you also have, you've been restored. How many people feel restored? Okay, got a little shine to you? Amen. Amen. I love the verse of Galatians 6, verse 1. Because it takes God to restore us, but he uses each other. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in, in a sin, you who are spiritually should restore him gently. Sin has to be exposed. Because David talks about how the sin crushed his bones. And we're living in rebellion against God. And until that sin is exposed and we confess our sins and our addictions and our pride and our selfishness, and the list is way long, because then when he removes those from our life, he's going to begin to restore. He's going to begin to put back in your life the things that you want back in your life. When sin is exposed... It's for the goal of redeeming. Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you are, who are spiritual should restore him gently. James 5, verse 19 and 20. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the air of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sin. Well, David was in sin, we found out last week. And we didn't spend a lot of time with the sin because sin is sin and they're all bad. But being the man of God that he was, a man after our own God's heart, who wrote worship songs, his sin was bad. Just like my sin is bad because all sin separates from God the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is separation from God. And God wants to expose that sin so he can forgive us, and then he can restore us. And that's the good news. That's the gospel that McKinsey was talking about, is that it's, re- it's exposed so confession and repentance can take place, and then God wants to use us and restore us for his kingdom. So Nathan, the prophet Nathan, came to David. And I'm not going to read the story, but you need to read the story, because it's really a good story. And if it wasn't already quarter tale I'd read the story. He told a little story to the king, and it convicted him, just like the Holy Spirit convicts you and me. And so when conviction comes, Satan wants to use it so we'd run from God. And when the Holy Spirit convicts us, he's calling us to run to God. It feels like the same thing. It's just, who are you listening to? When Satan begins to, can, there's a sense of conviction in your heart, and you kind of want to run from God. And when the Holy Spirit kind of that, your, your sin is exposed, he wants you to draw you to God. And so David ran to God in Psalms 51. I had a Nathan in my life. I'm not proud of this, but I had a Nathan in my life. His name was Dr. Greaves, and he was a professor at Vanguard. And I was in abnormal psychology. And before the Lord called me to be a youth pastor, pastor, I was going to be a social worker. And I was taking all my sociology classes and all my psychology classes, and I was uh, learning about abnormal psychology. It's helped a lot in youth ministry. because It's helped a lot in life. We meet a lot of fun people, don't we? And the, the vocabulary in abnormal psychology was crazy. So I studied and studied and studied and studied. Uh, if, if you've been around me much, you know, I, I kind of do sight reading. So my first and second grade teacher wasn't like my wife, because she is so good with phonics. And we, everything was sight read, sight read, sight read. And so big, long words in abnormal psychology were, were difficult. I understood them, but I couldn't spell them. And if you're taking a test and you don't spell them right, guess what happens? You still get it wrong, even if you know the answer. So I'll be, I had a little cheat sheet. It was about this big, and it was like less than the size of a piece of gum. I mean, I'm thinking, I know all this, I just don't know how to spell it. And I worked on it, worked on it. And I'm not justifying, I was wrong. I had it in my pocket, I pulled it out of my pocket, and I was using it on my test. And one of my neighbors told Professor Griefs, and this was a gracious man of God. He was a pastor for 20 years, He's a little kind of old guy when I went to his class. He was so smart, and he loved students, and he loved God, and I was exposed. I was busted. Have you ever been called into an office before somewhere? Like, what do you say? It was wrong. It was sin. I cheated. I praise God that Dr. Scott Greaves had a heart of redemptive discipline. So he didn't turn his back on it, just like God doesn't turn his back on our sin. But the, the desire of Dr. Greaves was to restore me, to have me grow up a little bit, to take a little responsibility, to confess of my cheating, and then to move forward. Because he could have very easily turned me into the academic dean, and I could have been removed from school. All grounds uh, were fine. If you cheat, you're gone, right? And uh, I'm not proud of this. He had a redemptive discipline. My mom and dad had redemptive discipline. My Holy Spirit has redemptive discipline. There's a price for sin. But that price doesn't have to be paid forever because the price is taken care of on that cross. So instead of being kicked out of a school, probably within about... Six months, I realized that uh, sociology and being a social worker wasn't what God wanted. Which was fine. uh, For me. But instead, I felt the call of ministry. And then, I I worked at Vanguard for three years as a dean of men. And then from there, God sent me here. So look at that path that day. When God exposed my sin, I could have been kicked out of the school and I would have become a bricklayer. But because... Dr. Scott Greaves, and he is now in heaven, confronted me with truth, just like Nathan did to David. And I confessed of my sin, and, and I worked harder than ever to make sure I spelt those big words right. And I realized I couldn't cut corners, and I realized that God had a call on my life, even though I was a sinner, and that God not only forgave me, but then he what? Redeem me. God is in the process of redeeming each one of you, but it starts with confession. It starts with repentance, and then it continues to grow in your heart. So I'm going to turn to Isaiah 6, and you're going to see this little pattern throughout Scripture. This is Isaiah 6, verse 1. And we're going to go through this, and you're just going to see, you're going to see confession, you're going to see forgiveness, and then you're going to see God beginning to redeem you. So I'm not sure where you're at. Maybe this morning you need to kind of start off with step one, is confessing your sins. And then asking God to to forgive you. But... Again, but God wants to restore you and call you and give you purpose and give you life. And this cycle is kind of is, is, happens over and over again because we all fall short. And not just once, but too many times. But the Lord has a sense of exposing, forgiving, and redeeming. Exposing, forgiving, redeeming. Exposing, Because what happens when our sins are exposed, we we know that we need to see, we need to depend deeper on God. And the more you're called, the more God needs to expose your need for Him. And then you come to repentance. And then you're redeemed. And all of a sudden, you see where God has brought you. Even when things in your life aren't the way you know God wants them, but there's a sense of, of confession, forgiveness, redeeming, filling. Got a long way away, didn't I? Here we go. How many steps was that? No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Kim's laughing. (laughs) Anybody who has Fitbit knows I'm kind of a Fitbit guy. And that was a few few steps right there. Uh, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and exalted on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now this is a, a kind of a, a worship service in heaven, and, and and Isaiah gets privileged to this. I've never experienced uh, a worship service in heaven. Wednesday morning I had my own little worship service, and those who came to prayer uh, heard me talk about it. It was just, I think day 18, I was just like, me and God. It wasn't it was Isaiah 6, but it was pretty dang close. It was like, whoo! it was nice. And what happened is, this is what Isaiah saw. was uh, uh, The Lord was high and exalted, and this robe was crazy, and it filled the temple, and there were seraphs with six wings, and that's a type of angel. And two wings were covering their faces out of kind of humility, and two were covering their feet, and two were flying. And what were they doing? They were, like, worshiping. They were singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah got to see this happening in in this dream, this spiritual dream. And the whole earth is full of this glory. And it goes on. It was a loud dream. It wasn't a quiet dream. The sounds and their voices, uh, the doorposts and the thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. And so Isaiah was in the presence of the Lord. And what was his first cry when you get in the presence of the Lord? You recognize your sin. Verse 5, woe to me. Isaiah said, he's a prophet. Woe to me. I am ruined. <laughs> I'm done. I have such a holy God. I can't even be in this dream. I gotta wake myself up. For I am a man of unclean lips. So what's that called? That's called confession. Woe to me. Humble yourself. I cried. Means that you're like you're you're declaring that I'm ruined, that I'm nothing compared to my great God, and then he said, "I'm a man of unclean lips." That's I'm a sinner, and I'm confessing that I'm a man with unclean lips, and I live among people with unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Almighty God. Whenever you get intimate with God and close to God, you're not going to like what you see in your heart. I just And you, you, you've got to remember Isaiah. You've got to remember that that's really common. When you come into the presence of God, it says, I'm undone, I'm ruined, and we want to run away from God. And this is a beautiful scripture that teaches us to run to God. You confess, and then he begins to, to cleanse and he begins to blot out, and then he begins to restore. And he begins to give you a new purpose and a new vision that can only be lived out with God's help only be lived out if you daily depend upon him. So he's in trouble. And then one of the seraphs flew to him with a live coal in his hands that was taken from the altar, God's altar. Amen. And what God did in that vision is he touched the mouth. Remember he said, I'm a man with unclean lips. So God took this coal in this vision and touch what was unclean. And he made it pure. See, this has touched your lips. and the, 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 the word of God says your guilt. Your guilt. Your guilt has been taken away. And your sins, your sins have been atoned for. They've been paid for on the cross. You've been redeemed. You've been restored. I'm going to read that verse in one breath. When he touched my mouth and said see that this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away and your sin is paid for just like Corey said it's done the cross has completed everything we need we just need to surrender to it and depend upon it and draw from that relationship through Jesus Christ so here comes the, the, the redeeming part is in the forgiveness and the filling in verse 8 then I heard the voice of the Lord say whom shall I send and who will go for us and Isaiah said this forgiven cleansed guilt lifted shame sinner has been forgiven and been given the gift of, of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. And if you need someone to go for you in the name of the Lord, verse 8 says, here I am, send me. Just as McKenzie has said. Here I am. At 18, whole life in front of her, saying, here I am, I'll go for you. And the only reason she can go for him is because she's been forgiven. She's been washed clean. She's been filled with the Holy Spirit. And now she's being redeemed. And that redemption just keeps happening and happening and happening. And as we take those steps, again, this is really clear for an 18-year-old girl going to South Africa. But for all of us, no matter what season in your life, it's a matter of recognizing and then forgiveness and then redemption. I'm going to go back to last week's uh, verse because it's the same theme. Cleanse me, wash me, but create in me a new heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit. And then David says, I will teach transgressors your ways. With my tongue, I will sing of your righteousness. With my mouth, I will declare your praise. Isn't that a beautiful progression of what God does in our heart? And don't let anybody sidetrack you from that that beautiful progression of what God has. This is the verse we've been reading on Wednesday night. Same theme. If my people, who are called by my name, we belong to him, We humble ourselves and we pray and we seek his face and we turn from our wicked ways, we repent. Then I will hear from heaven and I will what? Forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Healing is a statement of redemption, of restoring. So we're going to have the worship team come. And we're going to do, we're going to sing Psalms 51 together. And it's an older song, but it's a beautiful song. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. And begin to make that your cry. And remember, when you leave today, you're forgiven and you're redeemed. And then we get to go practice that. I had that crazy uh, bypass surgery four years ago. And the things that I used to like when it came to food, I don't even like anymore. Because I've changed. Physically, the things that I'm attracted to are nuts and fruit. And Johnny brought me a whole flat of strawberries. And I think i ate about all of them. And healthy granola and things that I really didn't care for, I, I can't hardly wait to get my hands on. I was at Costco yesterday working on Mexico and they had all those food on the counters, right? And guess what I ate? They had a salad with sesame seed oil and it was like, there's Preston and I. We were just eating away that salad and we were going like, wow, I've changed. Now spiritually, the same thing happens. We're drawn to the things of the world, but through confession and paying a price because confession has to do with pain and sorrow. And sometimes we shipwreck and we ruin people around our lives. But there's a place in time where the forgiveness takes place. And then all of a sudden, there's that redemption. And so we're really drawn to be set apart for God. And the things of the world will grow strangely dim as I look full into His face. And that's a journey we're on together. And it's good news, just like Mackenzie said. So let's sing this song together. Let's stand. And uh, I'm going to say when you're kind of done with the song, God has kind of done that work in your heart, then you're dismissed to go. Maybe God will call you up to the altars and you need to cry a puddle of tears. I don't know. Or maybe you need to find a quiet place in your, in your chair. Maybe, this would be kind of bold, some of this room you need to go ask for forgiveness for. And you, you don't have to get all detailed, but you know what? There's things in my heart. Can, will you just forgive me? Maybe your spouse next to you. Maybe a child. I don't know. But as God begins to bring confession and repentance, it's about restoring you. It's about returning you to what God has called you to be and to, to do. Just like he did Isaiah. Here I am, Lord. Send me. So we're going to sink through this, and we're going to let the Holy Spirit do his work. And when you feel like the Holy Spirit's done, God bless you. Have an w- amazing week. So let's, let's worship together. our cry Lord renew us Lord your spirit made to have a relationship with the Lord he has given you his spirit his heart is to restore you to redeem you you for that spirit of God that lives in us, Lord. And Lord, as we uh, take your word today, and Lord, as things are exposed in our heart, sin is exposed in our heart, Lord, that you're going to cleanse us, you're going to wash us. We're going to turn away from those, and we're going to pursue you. And Lord, as we pursue you, Lord, the strength of God, the joy of God, will remove the sin and cleanse us and begin to restore us as a church, that we'd be restored. We'd be full of the hope that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.